Ah, beloved. I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. It's his bona fide Bible talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. All right, so I got good news and I got bad news. Which one y'all want first? I'm going to assume y'all said bad news because that's usually the one people pick first. If you pick good news, the bad news is you're getting the bad news first. But the other bad news is that this is the last episode of this season. About to take me a little break. Won't be going too long. But through the end of this year and probably the first month of next year, y'all not going to hear from me. I guess... That's not really that bad when you think about it. I'm sorry if I set this up like y'all was about to be real disappointed. Maybe a little bit disappointed. That's allowed. I want you to feel a little bit disappointed. I hope you enjoy this podcast. But we'll still be over in the Patreon community, being active over there. Patreon.com slash three black men. Thank you so much for all of the supporters. The good news is we're going to make this episode count for something. You feel me? So let me back into this real quick. Today, we're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about the greatest diss track in the Bible, in my humble opinion. Diss track in the Bible? Yeah, I'm saying this diss tracks in the Bible. They're going back and forth. I believe, personally, that Paul versus James is the biblical equivalent of Jay-Z versus Nas. Now, y'all know I always be saying real recognize real, so... A lot of y'all already know what I'm talking about when I say Jay-Z versus Nas, but I don't like making too many assumptions. So I'm going to give a brief history of the Jay-Z versus Nas feud and how this relates to two people who preceded them by about a couple thousand years, give or take. So two rappers, Jay-Z, Nas, some beef. Nobody knows exactly how it started, but one of the first times it was put on track, Jay-Z had this song called Takeover. He was basically just beating his chest, talking about how dope he was, aimed at no one in particular. But there were a couple of lines that were directed at or against the rapper Nas. And then Nas goes and records this whole track called Ether, where he's just eviscerating Jay-Z. Now, Jay-Z did eventually respond with a track called Super Ugly that he eventually apologized for because his mama made him. But we don't really talk about that too much because... It is widely acknowledged that Ether won the day as far as that feud goes. So much so that the word Ether has entered our common lexicon now as a verb for when you absolutely destroy someone verbally, right? Like so-and-so ethered so-and-so when they went in, when they dragged them or whatever. Man, they got ethered. Like that's how that goes. And I draw that equivalency because if you read the writings of Paul and James, in the New Testament, it kind of seems like there's some shots being taken, right? Paul develops this whole theology of being saved by faith alone and how works cannot save you. And I'm not here to call that wrong, but I think what happens is that some of the people who follow Paul's teachings have kind of leaned on that to say that we don't have to do any of these things that the law requires of us or what we're doing is not as important as what we believe and who we believe in. And I think there's a certain level of merit to that, but I also think that James took that kind of personally. James, who was somebody who was both a Torah-observant Jewish man and a follower of the risen Jesus Christ, took that kind of personally, and he lays out this whole thing about, wait a second, what do you mean that like works 
don't say that works don't have any part in a salvation like why are we drawing this distinction between faith and works and he goes in on this letter and that's where we get this famous line that faith without works is dead this letter of james that we have in the bible is to me the ether to paul's takeover right and that's not where all of the parallels end because at the end of the day paul much like jay-z even though he may have lost that particular battle kind of won the war like paul is far more famous in the grand scheme of things he has more writing in the bible and everything he was far more successful as an apostle in our eyes than james was but at the end of the day they're still on the same team right jay-z and nas ended up squashing that beef they even did a song together called black republicans did not age well the title in my opinion but that's neither here nor there my point is, I want to break down some of these bars that James was spitting because, hey, he was talking, talking on this joint. So without any further ado, we're going to have us some bona fide Bible talk about James chapter 2, just the 14th through the 26th verses. Let's go. My brother, what's the point of saying you got faith, but you ain't put no work in? How that kind of faith supposed to save you? If you see a brother or a sister out here struggling with no clothes, no food, somebody tell them thoughts and prayers, stay warm and eat up, but they don't give them what they need for their body, what's the point? So faith, if you don't put the work in, that's dead by itself. Somebody going to say, you got your faith and I'll be putting the work in. Show me this faith of yours without putting no work in and I'm going to show you my faith when you watch me work. You believe it ain't but one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe that, and they shook about it. Look, Goofy, you want to see how trash a faith with no works is? Won't Father Abraham certify by putting that work in? He put his own son on the altar. You can see that his faith was mixed into the work, and putting the work in made his faith the standard. And that's the scriptures in action. The part to say Abraham trusted God and it showed up as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. So you see, the work that someone put in going to show you who they are, not just their faith by itself. Like, Rahab was a whole escort. Won't she certify by putting in the work when she let the messengers in and let them leave out another way? Just like a body with no spirit is dead. Faith with no work is dead. So here's the deal, right? As is the case in most rap beefs and diss tracks, there was some fire on both sides. To be clear, I don't think that anything Paul was saying was out of pocket. I'm comforted by the fact that I am saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what James here does is he, as Jesus does frequently, intensifies this rhetoric and these commands and says that, no, you are saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ and that ought to motivate you to live differently. And if you don't, then this faith that you have is actually dead. It has no legs. It's not doing anything for you. James puts on a masterclass in crafting bars. He digs back into the story of Israel. He says, Abraham, our father, the dude who got this whole thing started, the one about whom we say that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The only reason 
that we can even say that, James says, is because of what Abraham actually did. He says this, when Abraham was willing to go and sacrifice his own son, when he was willing to walk this out, that's how the faith of Abraham is embodied. And it's that action and that display of faith, which is credited to Abraham as righteousness, as justice, as standing rightly with God. It's what he did. And then James goes and throws in this other story of Rahab. He even mentions her as a prostitute, one who would normally be considered of less than stellar moral standing, that she also has this faith that drives her to do courageous and salvific things, things that change the course of Israel's history, that help define them as a people in this instance. You see, James here is talking about real salvation, salvation that alters the course of a people and of a history and of a story. And a lot of times we get caught up in thinking of this idea of salvation as God rescuing us from this here earth and taking us away to this celestial paradise that we've built up in our imaginations. We haven't been there to see it ourselves, but we have this construct in our heads. And we think that salvation means that God takes us from here and takes us to there. And James says, focus, my brother, focus, my sister. There is salvation for you in the here and now. If you would allow your faith to direct your works, if you would allow your faith to shape what you do, we can tell what a person believes in, what they trust in, what their faith is and by how they move. James says that if you have faith, it will be shown by the works that a person does. What you're doing tells people what you believe in. What you do tells people who and what you trust in. Your faith will always be shown by your works, regardless of whatever doctrines you believe about how your salvation is made manifest, your works, what you do, how you live will let people know where your faith is, where your trust is, what you truly believe in. Because I am a sentient human being, I go through this process where I always evaluate my faith, the things that I claim to believe. And I won't pretend that I don't have any questions. One of my favorite scriptures, the episode, Mark's Gospel, um, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like that one line is always going to resonate with me. But I bring that up because there were seasons where I had to question whether this faith I had was worth holding on to in light of all of the things that I see around the world, in light of the way that so many Christians conduct themselves. Is this something that I can be a part of? And I am anchored by the fact that James says we can tell where a person's faith is by the works that they do. That your faith without works, if it is not shown and exemplified by works and how you live, then it is dead. Because what that tells me is this faith of mine isn't always about creedal affirmations and knowing to say the right things that I believe, but it is about how I live. And that salvation both in the here and now and in the age to come, 
is done by the finished work of Jesus Christ, who we can trust on and believe in. And it is in that trust and belief that we are motivated to live our lives differently so that we can move like Abraham. We can move like Rahab, that our faith can motivate our works and our faith can be made known by our works. And that's a faith that I feel like fighting for. I can't let that go for me because I recognize the power of a story to move a people just like James did. And it's that same power that motivated James to craft these bars, man. He was spitting heat that whole letter. I, I done brought it all the way back around. I think that's probably the end of this episode. And that means this season is drawn to a close. But let me leave you with this challenge as we close out this episode and this season. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whether you call on the name of Jesus or not, I want you to think about the fact that what you do, the work you put in, is always going to tell people who or what you believe in. And if that name you call on is Jesus, you're going to have to show your work. Let me pray with you. Almighty Rock of the Ages, God of James and Paul, of Abraham and Rahab, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might grow a faith that changes the way that we walk, and that we might spend less time trying to convince people that we believe the right things, and that we might prove to them what we believe by how we live, the things that we do, the people that we choose to care for and love, so that when all is said and done, we might not be burdened with a dead faith, but that a living, vibrant, expansive faith might motivate us to live and to love in a way that makes the name of your son, Jesus Christ, known. Because it's by that name that I pray for all of these people. Amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar. <laughs>